Calvinism is never suggesting that at any time we are less than willing human beings. But I also want their love for each other to be grounded in something more than just themselves, something eternal. Welcome to 1A, a ministry of First Presbyterian Church, episode 16. We're continuing our spring series covering emotions. This week we have a call-in question regarding love from one of our listeners, and you'll hear Dr. Thomas and me try to respond. I'm Josh Squires, the Minister of Counseling and Congregational Care here at First Press. You're listening to 1A, a podcast designed to take a brief but in-depth look at counseling issues from a pastoral perspective. If this is your first time listening, we appreciate you checking us out. We hope this ministry is a blessing to you and those around you. For more information, you can check us out at our website, which is firstprescolumbia.org forward slash 1A. That's firstprescolumbia.org forward slash 1A. You can find all our episodes there, as well as links on how to subscribe. If this is a ministry that you enjoy, then we appreciate if you would subscribe using the application of your choice. You can use iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or Sermon Audio. While you're there, leave us some comments. As we increase the number of reviews and comments, it becomes easier for others to find us. Can love be commanded? That's the question a caller wants us to wrestle with, and so you get to hear Dr. Thomas and I wrestle with it live. There's been no preparation, just the two of us thinking through the issue together. We encourage any of you who have a question to let us know. For contact information, go to our website or wait for the wrap-up at the end of the show. Your feedback helps us to keep this podcast relevant to your lives and for the kingdom. Now, let's get to our caller. Hi, this is Kevin, long-time listener, first-time caller. I have a, a question related to the recent topic on love. There's a pervasive idea that for love to be genuinely and sincerely love, it has to occur of someone's own free will and volition. However, when we read the scriptures, we see that love is commanded, both a love for God and a love for others. We're not uh, simply asked, but we are commanded to love God and to love others. Um, How can we help someone understand that genuine love can be the result of a command? Thank you. Thank you for the ministry and thank you for the podcast. Okay, so first caller that we've had this series. And long-time listener. And long-time listener. Someone called Kevin. Who is this Kevin? This weird Kevin guy. We both know who Kevin is. Yes, good friend of ours. He wants to know, is love love if it is commanded love and not love by choice? Yeah, this is an interesting question. And I, I suspect there are at least two aspects to it. One is probably um, a theological, philosophical issue of how is it genuinely my love if it requires God to instill that love in me. The premise of if you command someone to love is that they are free to do so. And then I guess the question is getting embroiled in issues of Calvinism, um, issues of uh, free will. So let's get that mess 
sort of out the door. Calvinism is never suggesting that at any time we are less than willing human beings. At no point in God's dealings with us are we to consider ourselves as non-beings or robots, say, that uh, there is no volition or action on our part. The point is that God makes us willing in the day of his power, to quote another scripture. He effects what he commands. Mm. But the emphasis for us is work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So at every point, um, you know, we are we are treated and we are to consider ourselves as willing agents. That's a that's a philosophical theological issue. But mm. I, I guess, you know, the question is coming from another another angle too. Um how you know that that love is something that spontaneously arises from within the soul. You know, mm. love is poetry. Like uh, Adam when he first sees Eve, at last this is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. That is a poetic response. Right. It's a mood. It's a feeling. Yeah. It's um it's something that overpowers and and but it's a it's in the realm of the affections. Mm. But but and therefore the conclusion is that it's not in the realm of something that is to be commanded. But all through scripture we are commanded to do all sorts of things, but and not least to love one another. Mm-hmm. Uh, to love God with all of our hearts and to love our neighbor as ourselves. So the the great commandment yeah. uh, is is a commandment. Yeah. Or even something like Luke six, which is love your enemies. Right. In in the counseling room, mm-hmm. Josh. Mm. You know, you've got two people in there. You know. They're not talking to each other, and the body language is suggesting um, that they haven't spoken to each other for a while. Um, you know, what good is it to say to one or the other, you know, you need to love that person? And you may cajole out of one or other the the verbal response, I love you, but you know it's insincere. It's not springing up from within. Mm-hmm. It is at that point merely a response to a command right so the com- so the response to any command has to be a response that takes place at at more than surface level it has to right. be more than outward level it has to be more than just a performance or something that is essentially hypocritical right so there has to be a genuineness there, there has to be a love that springs from within and how does that happen when there is disaffection? Hmm. In the counseling room, I mean, when I see people who are in conflict with one another, you know, just telling them love each other and even the Luke 6, love your enemy, because in that moment they feel like enemies unto each other, isn't going to get me too far. But if I can tell one or the other one, what I need you to do is to lay down your life in this moment. 
allow your spouse to talk about the places where they have been hurt, been hurt by you. You you don't even have to own everything that they're saying, but just be willing to be compassionate in your response. Oftentimes what you'll get is in return, um, a step towards, a willing step towards on both, in both parties' parts towards love. It's not this immediate joyful uh, reunion, but it is something where both parties can look at one another and say, okay, this was an act of sacrificial love unto me, that you would put put your hurts aside just to hear me. You're willing to do that, and therefore I will respond in kind. But that is often something that is given, not to sound mystical here or charismatic, but that is really spirit-wrought and enabled oftentimes. If, if one just tries to pull one's own self up uh, by their bootstraps and do that, it becomes nearly impossible. How does the command to love, mm-hmm. um, this was Kevin's sort of question, how is that command to be viewed as something, and not just spontaneous, but something that is truly my volition? You know, is there a contradiction between my willing it and my being commanded to will it? I don't think so. And I think my example that I would use here is Adam and Eve in the garden. So when God makes Eve for Adam... Could Adam have looked at Eve and said, oh, she's a little tall. I wish she had been blonde, blue eyes. But God, in his commands, commanded man to love his wife and designed Eve in such a way that Adam genuinely loved her, that they weren't at odds with one another. Well, yes, but when when love, I mean, in the gospel, for example, when right. when when love is genuine, it is because we find in the one that we love the fulfillment of all of our desires, the fulfillment of all that integrates us. So Christ, you know, in loving Christ, he is everything to me. How do you get someone to love your wife, to love their husband? Well, it takes more than a command. They have to see in each other something that fulfills, something that integrates, mm. uh, something that um, they must have seen at some point in the past. Mm. And, and what is it that has that has drawn a veil over that? And, and usually those things are selfishness mm-hmm. on one or other or both parts and, and a, a history of actions that have followed that now draw a veil. Cause bitterness and uh, yes. anger and hurt to um, overshadow the love that they once had for each other. I, mean, I think that's that's absolutely true. When there is a couple that have been married 20 years and they're in my office and they have 15 years of bitterness and resentment built up, oftentimes I want them to see themselves as they were first courting and as they first wanted to get married and, and find the things about one another. But, but I also want their love for each other to be grounded in something more than just themselves, something eternal. And, and that's what I think you were talking about with Christ and the gospel that their love for one another 
uh, when when they had this more intense love for each other, it was more than just about one another. It was about Jesus. There was something in there that was a representation of Jesus and his love for his bride, the church. And as we increase our love for Jesus, as we find ourselves more and more in love with him and wanting to be his, we too should should use that as the grounds for wanting to love one another, even when we don't feel it, even when the affection of love in our heart feels so far and distant that we can actually rekindle that, not just by the terminus being on what my relationship was once was or what my spouse once was, but it's terminus being on Christ and what, who Christ is and what he's done for me. Is it ever right to um, obey simply for the ground simply on the grounds that that it is the right thing to do even if one's affections are not wholly engaged you know which comes which comes first the chicken or the egg you know do the affections come later i remember somebody saying to me one time when preaching just didn't feel as exciting yeah or i didn't feel the presence of god right. in preaching you know what do you do uh, the advice that was given to me was you just keep on doing it mm. uh, until it returns. You know, you don't stop and wait for the affections to come. And, and then, I mean, so, so so you continue in the routine of of, of exposition and, and, and preaching. And in marriage, when the routine of the marriage keeps the marriage together, mm. but the affections have to be worked on. Right, so yes. so so there are aspects of of demonstrating love that sometimes are not always accompanied by, you know, deep seated affections. How do you encourage those affections? Do they just do they just return? Do you retrace the path? You know, usually when people talk about this, and that is the sometimes people use the connectedness language here. I just don't feel connected to my spouse. Actually, what often they're talking about is intimacy. And when we talk, when we use the word intimacy, people often think physical intimacy. That's, that's where the mind goes immediately. But I would suggest there's five different kinds of intimacy. That there's spiritual intimacy. There is recreational intimacy. There's physical intimacy, intellectual intimacy, and emotional intimacy. And then it's getting all five of those to the point where they feel like they are getting wins, where you can feel connected and where the heart grows incredibly warm towards one another. Now, the interesting thing here is that guys feel most connected when they have physical intimacy. Girls feel most connected when they have emotional intimacy. And girls try to get to emotional intimacy via the route of intellectual intimacy. So I... I want to talk about something and hope we end up sharing our experiences together. Whereas guys often try to get physical intimacy via the route of recreational intimacy. Let's go do something fun together and hope we end up in bed together. Okay, there's no way I'm talking about this. <sighs> so, so, so the question was, how do we increase some of the, the bedrock there? Spiritual intimacy, though, is, is people who... Uh, pray for and with one another, worship together, 
are in the word and have similar growth together spiritually, all of that then encourages those other forms of intimacy and it waxes and it wanes uh, throughout one's relationship. So, you know, don't get scared when you find yourself in one of those seasons where things um, seem not quite so intense. But being able to look at all five of those areas and say, where are we winning and where are we not winning? And let's increase some of our wins in these places really can help people to feel more connected and more loving towards one another. You've been listening to 1A, a counseling ministry of First Presbyterian Church. We encourage you to listen to all our episodes, which you can find on our webpage at firstprescolumbia.org forward slash 1A. That's firstprescolumbia.org forward slash 1A. You can also check us out on all your favorite podcasting applications, such as iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. If you like what you've heard, then subscribe. Also, don't forget to tell your friends and family about us as well. If you have comments, questions, or issues you'd like us to wrestle with, contact us. You can reach us at our email address, which is 1A at firstprescolumbia.org. That's 1A at firstprescolumbia.org. Or via our Twitter account, which is at 1A Podcast. That's at 1A Podcast. Or by phone, 803-281-1795. 803-281-1795. For Dr. Thomas, I'm Josh Squires. We look forward to seeing you next week. Until then, thanks for listening, and God bless.